0: you're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. What's up, listeners? Happy Wednesday! Uh, today's podcast is with Luki Danikar-Yanto, the chief career catalyst at Focus Inspired and the author of a career book titled Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the acronym being SWIKE. Um, Luki is on a mission to help millennials redefine their career journey as a coach, but he also has aspirations to create a new form of education in the future, one that's much more, much more based on the practical rather than the theoretical luki's story is one filled with cultivating humility honestly through disappointment and just making decisions following his own curiosity and we just really see that earlier on um, just from his transition from earlier days in his education all the way into his career later on um, we journey through so his personal development but also his rebranding through an almost 13year career in consulting and 13 years in co- consulting is just not something that's easy to give up especially when he was on the position he was at where he was on partner track he had a very lucrative career but he decided to take a leap of entrepreneurship whilst having a wife and two kids which people say you know it's the time when you can't do that but he's done it <laughs> and so we talk about the early years of starting Focus Inspired what and what it's like now 3 years later with all the learnings he experienced as an operator of his own business. And so before we go into Lukey's conversation, quick reminder to support the podcast by rating it with a five-star review on iTunes, as well as leaving a positive review on how the podcast may have helped you. This is just a great way for the podcast to reach a wider audience to help other people um, that may also be in need of more perspective and inspiration in their day. So, uh, back to the conversation, and I hope you gain as much out of this conversation as I did. And so, without further ado, here is my chat with Luki Carianto. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Accounted for. Today on the podcast, with me is Luki. Danikar Yanto. Hey, Luki, Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so for our audience members, um, would you care to explain um, what your company Focus Inspired does and also what your position as the chief career catalyst is about?
1: So Focus Inspired is a company that looks to help people who are stuck, mainly millennials, the ones who have no idea what they want to do with their careers, right? Or the ones that are Know where they want to go and don't know how to get there so oftentimes uh, folks are on that conveyor belt of life where you need to become a, a doctor lawyer accountant engineer and uh, sometimes you do that just to make mom and dad happy and uh, what we try to do is is uh, as as a career catalyst initiate the reactions that wouldn't have otherwise happened right so it's a bit of a made-up title because um, originally i was a, a career coach but uh, career coaching has a bit of a stigma out there where uh, most people think that if you have a career coach, well, either you're a senior executive trying to make SVP to CEO or something like that, or you are, there's something wrong, right? There's, uh, you're, you're helped by the government or some other entity and institution and need some further help. But for me, I'm trying to change the conversation that, well, every, every high-performing person uh, in sports or whatever, they, they have a coach, right? And uh, I, I don't talk to people and, and most people don't m- grow up wanting to be mediocre right so I say well you want to be high-performing you want to achieve all the things that you want to do yet you don't have a coach so I want to turn the conversation more into uh, well why don't you have a coach why don't you have a career catalyst uh, and the other two names that I give myself are a um, DJ for personal development in that most of the stuff that I say it's not new I, uh, it's been said for, for years, there, there's books on it, there's, there's all sorts of videos out there. I just kind of remix it and add my own spin, my own flavor to kind of make it in a form that, that resonates more with you. So you don't like uh, hip hop, you don't like country, but you like, uh, I don't know, EDM type music? Okay. Well, here's something for you. You don't like Tony Robbins, you don't like Gary Vaynerchuk, you don't like this, well here's Oprah or whatever it is that resonates more with you. And uh, the third title I give myself is a, is a personal trainer for careers in that most people actually know what they want to do, they just don't do it. Just like going to the gym, if you want a six pack, you do some crunches, you do some sit-ups, but most people don't. Um, But I'll say, hey Daniel, let's go into the gym, let's do one crunch, okay, let's do two tomorrow and three, and then eventually, oh, that looks pretty good. And uh, (laughs) Doing all that stuff. So that's kind of a long-winded answer to to a short question, but essentially what we're trying to do is uh, change the conversation, help people be unlocked, give people the tools and and the techniques in order to get to where they want to be. And, uh, yeah, hopefully provide them with all the amazing resources that are already out there. And uh, one of our aspirations is also to elevate education, which is, uh, unfortunately, from my perspective, the post-secondary system isn't actually doing what it, uh, well, it was designed perfectly for what it was intended to do 150 years ago, but hasn't really evolved since then. And, And there are too many people that I talk to where they get a degree, and they graduate and like, where's my job, right? And it's no longer enough to have a degree in order to get that great job. And it's uh, even with stuff like co-op out there, it's it's helping, but how many co-op spots are there for how many students? And uh, changing the conversation to really focus on exploring Uh, and and discovering yourself through that kind of post-secondary period and getting to, uh, like, different places in your life, right? And you don't have to necessarily follow the traditional path, especially in 2018. Maybe 20 years ago, 50 years ago, that was a good path. But nowadays, like, with the internet, with all these other things, there's so many different options out there. So hopefully that answers the question.
0: No, definitely. And I think you bring up a lot of uh, phenomenal points, I think. Like, even starting with the coaching part, it's just... Yeah, it seems to be an older belief of, um, you know, oh, if you only get help if you really need it. And, like, getting mm-hmm. help is seen as a sign of weakness instead of a sign that you actually have the maturity to want to get better. And, like, I remember even just talking to, like, my parents about, you know, I think I am gonna want to get a therapist just because I want to actually have my mental side be even clearer mm-hmm. and even stronger. And it takes time for them to, like, understand, oh, there's nothing wrong with you, but you want a therapist? Or... Like, is there something wrong in and that's why you want a therapist and it's more no I just want to get better at even my mental state so I might actually want to go talk to someone about things yeah. and I think that kind of stuff requires a change in mindset as well um, to really start as a society embracing that culture and like, like you said like athletes all embrace it and I think a lot of people who are not fully aware of like actually seeing those things I think in relation to other parts of life um can kind of be like blindsided by that
1: yeah and a lot of research points to that if you actually look at top performing athletes that the physicality and physical ability of a lot of athletes they're they're pretty much the same across the board when you get to the top levels and it's really the mindset uh, that has someone set apart where the typical like Kobe Bryant and and uh, LeBron they're on the court practicing all the time right Uh, but the physicality like everyone's probably able to to bench the same amount of pounds and and run uh, in the same amount of time they're there that's about the same So if you think about and and translate that to regular day life, well, everybody's physicality in terms of graduating with the same degree is basically the same. And uh, everyone gets that, the the, the bachelors of whatever, the the masters of whatever. And uh, well, how are you different than the rest of the folks? Well, oftentimes it comes down to to mindset. Like, are you training? Do you want it more? Uh, Are you uh, volunteering? Are you going out looking for internships? Are you uh, starting podcasts on the side? Are you doing whatever it is that uh, is really you, um, or are you just uh, hoping that uh, you make the team, right? That sort of thing. Yeah, know.
0: yeah. I, I think even on like the part of like post secondary education, yesterday I, was, I saw an article pop up on my feed on social media where um, Harvard released their MBA graduate um, salary numbers, and the article was going on about how this is practically the most important report and figure for all the MBA programs, and it just got me to think about. So if if that's your measure, if the measure is just how much your MBA kids are getting paid Mm -hmm. upon graduation, then do you really care about what they're actually getting inside, like the relationships they might be making, or what they could potentially be learning? Um, Is it just purely about make sure this kid gets the best job, make sure it gets into the job that's going to pay the most, so we can say, oh, we've seen an increase of six percent in the median salary for our graduates, and we've had X many get big bonuses and if you know using money as like the sole metric of
1: yeah this yeah. is a good school yeah for sure i mean what i aspire to do at some point is to actually open up my own school my own educational institute uh, focused on on soft skills right so it's traditional schools they do a, a okay job at teaching you the, the hard skills but what about things like how to build relationships uh, emotional intelligence effective communication time management right imagine you took a course in that in grade Uh, 12, in grade 9, in grade 6, I don't even know if you can actually teach that at that young of an age, but I think a lot of those concepts you can pick up and start learning those behaviors, even learning how to learn, right, things like like memory and and techniques like that, so there are all sorts of uh, resources out there where, like, the Greeks used to have all these memory techniques before the written word was around, and everybody uh, had, like, knowledge was power back then, and these memory techniques have been around, and, and there are world championships based on that but they don't teach that in school even though all learning is based on on, on memory well aren't why wouldn't you want to help the students memorize that and and go through the process and learn and sometimes they're very simple techniques that uh, are are accessible and incubating that at such a young age uh, would would definitely uh, reap huge rewards further on so I mean like yeah I'll I'll go on (laughs) about this sort of stuff but
0: yeah no I I think that's actually like a great pursuit to have I think um, one of the people that come to mind as you like talk about that is like Seth Godin created mm-hmm. his Alt-MBA because mm-hmm. of a frustration born out of yep. yeah like he felt the post-second education was failing a lot of people and I actually had a colleague who actually took the Alt-MBA oh, cool. um, and she did it while she was in consulting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was very effective in practically helping her make the decision to finally quit her job after 10 years at the firm and actually cho- choose herself and do what she actually wanted to do and actually start exploring more of what she wanted to do mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think there definitely is a space and value for these kind of schools to actually come up and actually help people go through radical self-inquiry and develop like, the soft skills, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, one of the posts that I wrote on, on LinkedIn is, is something like, uh, what if education were like this? And it was uh, like a scenario base where I talk about someone who, the, the first year, they basically get all the soft skills training, right, and figure out, and they decide to, for whatever reason, pick the traditional uh, accounting path. Right, and uh, they go through these soft skills training, and instead of uh, paying a university, whatever forty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars to sit in a class in front of a professor, um, learning about concepts, they pay to sit beside an accountant for the next four months four years or whatever and how much more would that person learn with those soft skills with the learning how to learn with dealing with people and just even being a fly on the wall in in some of the the meetings that they have in in doing the work day-to-day and and building the infrastructure around that because obviously that's going to take the time from from the actual accountant um but uh yeah why couldn't that be um, a model where where uh, people get that true experiential learning and that person will either find, wow, I love accounting, let me keep doing it. Or, well, actually accounting, I thought was narrow, but there's this, it's this huge thing where you have like audit, you have uh, tax, you have all these different things and you can subdivide or you realize, well, I actually don't like accounting, but I like this consulting thing. I like this whatever it is and open their eyes because a lot of young folks are just, well, the traditional mom and dad want me to do, whatever it is and they don't take the time to explore as as you mentioned i think that's a very important part and, and that radical self-inquiry or at least some sort of self-reflection exercise is important right because otherwise you're just doing it for the sake of doing it uh, uh other than um actually doing the things that you want to do and oftentimes if you figure out the things that you do want to do you'll just be better at it right and, and you won't be kind of the mediocre accountant you'll be the, the world's greatest chef or whatever it is yeah, but if you've never tried cooking well, it's, it's hard to get to that path, right?
0: Right, right. Yeah, and like it, you know, if we were to, I think you also talk about this in your book as well. But you know, if we think about life as a journey, and practically any, any journey, there's a destination. And so, if we had, let's say, a north a north star to uh, go towards, how will you know what even your north star is if you don't really know who you are mm-hmm. and what you really want to do? Um, obviously, you'll never have certainty over what you want to do, but at least at the current present moment, you have an idea of this is who i am at least at this current moment and this is where i think i want to go and at least that will give you some kind of north star mm-hmm. and from there then you can decide okay, how do i want to get there and how which path
1: would really fit with who i am yeah actually, i actually did a youtube post recently uh, about a similar topic where a lot of folks are are fussed about like the north star concept like where they're going uh, and and the direction but my question to them is typically well, sure, that's your North Star and you'll inevitably be blown east or west or whatever. But the question I usually have is, well, are you the one steering the ship, right? Because oftentimes, well, that is your North Star, but it's not really yours. It's mom and dad's North Star for you. It's your, your families or your cultures or whatever is North Star for you. But if you actually think about, is that my North Star? Am I the one choosing this direction? And, and focusing on that and seeing how you can get to the point where it's actually me it's not the, the people around me, then that starts a, a, a different sort of sort of journey, which uh, I think is, is very important for people to, to undertake. And they, they might choose, well, yeah, this is perfect. I, I should go there. And there are spectrums where some people should be working. They, they know what they want to do. They want to be that doctor or lawyer accountant. They'll do it for the next 40 years. Cool. Uh, but I think in this day and age, there, there are far few people who, who have that kind of certainty, that clarity that do want to do that. Uh, and there's a growing number where, uh, I think there's a statistic where it's growing that you're going to have um, five jobs in five years, that sort of thing, right? And the, the new trend with with the gig economy is that you're not going to have that. You're going to have five jobs at the same time uh, and, and just working for different employers. So and there's people in, in different spectrums of all that and really open their eyes to, well, that's an option. Because a lot of people, well, entrepreneurship is cool right now. It's It's great and it's awesome because it is. But... Um, like, like a lot of folks say, there's a projected bust at some point, right? And, and money's gonna be harder to come by, life's gonna be harder to come by, and it's gonna weed out the, the folks who aren't really supposed to be entrepreneurs, right? I, I don't even think I'm supposed to be an entrepreneur. I, I have entrepreneurial tendencies, and uh, I'm only really doing it because otherwise I don't know who else is gonna be building this sort of thing. Um, so I think I found a, a bit more of a purpose to do that. But at the same time, like there, there are other folks who are just jumping on the bandwagon because it's cool, like just like investment banking was was cool, like in the in the 90s or whatever, and still is, right? Um, and every kind of industry has its its ups and downs, right?
0: Yeah, I think uh, one, of, one of one of my previous guests, uh, so he went, he went to a Harvard MBA as well, and he was telling me that. Um, yeah, man, like you look at the statistics, MBA grads are practically the predictor of busts because <laughs> the, the year where all the MBA grads goes, go to a certain field, that's the year when it all go bust. Like it's right. like how everybody went to finance in 2006, right. 2007, and everybody went into tech in 1999, 1998, and then it all just came down. And I think I'm definitely seeing that even in the kind of startup uh, ecosystem here in Toronto, where I'm talking to a lot of my accounting friends and you know, these are people that truly just don't really want to take risks, mm-hmm. risks in any form, and they are actually now changing the mindset of, you know what, I think I can do it. Like everyone's doing mm-hmm. it, it seems safe now, right. and then they are slowly moving in. and I, I don't think we're in the massive um, euphoria yet, but I'm seeing these tendencies of all these people who tend to be very risk averse making these jobs into things that are actually quite risky yeah. um, for their, I think, tendencies. So that, that is an interesting, um, I think, plight that I'm seeing at the moment.
1: Well, I, I challenge that a little bit in terms of like that risk, right? It's always perceived risk because uh, being an entrepreneur, what, what the opportunity is, that it's, it's all for you. You have the choice day to day whether you're making money or not, right? Uh, working for a company, working for a big bank. You could be downsized at any moment any moment, with any restructuring or whatever. So it's an illusion of, of, of safety. Um, so, but And it is one that, that has to be understood and, and potentially mitigated. The, the life of an entrepreneur is hard because you are the best boss and the worst boss at the same time, right? So having to uh, go out there and build business and find clients and do the work or whatever it is, and doing it on a consistent basis is much more difficult than getting a consistent paycheck every two weeks and uh, yeah some people should do that uh, some people shouldn't and, and to me entrepreneurship is like any career path and, and it could be points in time when, when you're young go start a business or whatever but use that as a, as a stepping stone to become like a director senior manager VP or whatever at, 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 at a company and maybe start something else and then whatever so it's just yet an, another option that uh, hopefully it's uh, it's Notoriety or its cool factor right now, where everyone wants to be a founder of this and that. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't take uh, too many people down. Um, and one of the, the challenges I find is it's, it's a, a lot of it is a, is a mindset thing too, right? Because uh, folks are looking for that 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 million dollar, billion dollar idea and exit. Uh, whereas, I mean, to put it in context, I actually did a um, entrepreneurial uh, demystifying entrepreneurship session on uh, Monday with with Centennial, and, and what we went through is kind of um, figuring out. The, the orders of magnitude and scale. like Humans aren't really good at understanding like the difference between like million and, and, and billion and stuff like that. So the uh, concept I went through is, well, 365 is, is a, a year, that many days in a year. Well, how, if you turn that into seconds, how many minutes is that? Well, people say, well, about six minutes. Okay, could you wait six minutes? Sure, most people would do that. Well, if you take a million seconds and convert that, how, how many seconds is that? And people are guessing. And it's it's about 11 days, so six minutes versus 11 days to get to that to that million. Now, uh, if you convert a billion to seconds, how many is that? Well, someone said a uh, thousand 11 days. It's like okay, yes, but what is that? that? That's about 32 years. So people don't understand what a million versus a billion is. They're just uh, throwing their their. Uh, their, their hat in it and hoping to, to go into that direction.
0: Yeah, so it's a couple of digits, right? That's it's what they're thinking It's a couple thinking. digits. It's, yeah. it's, it's three zeros, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually nothing.
1: Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so they, they think it's achievable. But uh, they, they call them unicorns for a reason because there aren't very many of them around. Um, so it, it's one where too many people are, are trying to do that based on like social media or whatever, that's the, 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 the sexy or the cool thing to do. And uh, yeah, hopefully it doesn't bring too many people down because there are awesome careers where, well, why become an accountant and make $80,000 versus being a, a YouTuber and making $80,000 or, or being a chef or being whatever. There, there's all these options right now where you could be really good at your craft, whatever it is, you gotta be good. Like you can't be a mediocre chef and, and, and do that well. Um, but there, there are all these options out there,
0: right? Yeah, just it's more about like being the best version of you that you could potentially be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Totally. And I think um, personally, one of the missions I have for this podcast is also to alleviate, as you said, the kind of pomp and circumstance that media paints pays paints for entrepreneurship. Um, like the few guests I've had who are entrepreneurs, yeah, we talk about. It's shitty not being able to pay yourself for like, <laughs> the first few years, yeah. or like, yeah, it's not all this glamour and all that. Like, there's a lot of grunt work. Like, you're doing all the janitorial stuff yourself. Like, mm-hmm. you're doing deliveries yourself. Like, it's, you know, you're up until, like, 1 a.m. every day. Like, but you're doing it because you love it, not because you have to do it. It's very exactly. different. Um, and we talked about how you talked about in your video of how some people, you know, who's, who's steering the ship. Is it your mom, your culture? <laughs> um,
1: You're Indonesian based on your last name. Mm -hmm. Did you grow up in Indonesia? I moved there from there when I was three, so I basically Mm. grew up in in Canada. So uh, I have. uh, bit of that that heritage and i love indonesian food and and i'll always go home and uh, my mom's the, the best cook that way and she spoils me but uh yeah i mean i i identify myself as, as canadian right but uh, if if people will ask me where i'm from i'll say indonesia but outside the country outside of canada i'll always say canada right and, and that's pretty typical for most folks but
0: um, and, and so then given um kind of a did did you have a kind of like an immigrant kind of family household mindset where you know people stereotypically talk about how oh yeah when you're from a when you're first generation from an immigrant family then you have this pressure to like perform and do all these jobs etc did you have that growing up
1: a, a little bit of that a lot of it was probably more self-imposed than than uh, what my my parents think about but um my 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 name lukey was uh, originally luke for for saint luke who's the the patron saint of doctors Right, so that was kind of the initial aspiration uh, for me. Uh, I failed that miserably, but um, yeah I, and there there was always the uh, my, my dad was was an engineer he worked for for IBM, so uh, a lot of it as well, why not follow in your dad's footprint foot footsteps and I did a computer science degree uh, kind of in pursuit of that and uh when, when I was growing up, the circle of friends that I had, there was uh, like science and, and technology. That was uh, the, the kind of top level thing, that, and, and business was actually, you were a second class person if, if, if you ended up, or, or you weren't doing so well if you ended up going into business. So that was kind of our demographic, whether it was the, the, the time or just the group of friends that we hung out. So there was that pressure. Um, when I was growing up. I actually was was identified as, as, as a gifted student right so I went to the special school in like grade four or whatever and that was probably well the worst and the best thing that that happened in that uh, it, it made me a little bit more kind of arrogant than, than I used to be And and um, the, the book uh, by Carol Dweck about um, my mindset and growth mindset I was super fixed mindset where uh, because I was smart um, I didn't have to study Right? So and, and I got through elementary school and most of high school because um, I, I was supposedly start, but well, because I'm smart, I don't have to study. And you can only do that for so long uh, where you don't open the book and, and do well, right? Um, so I, I started struggling in, in like uh, grade 11, 12, uh, OIC when, when I was growing up. Uh, so there was always that, that pressure to perform because like, grades were important to get to the good school was, was very important and uh well i I wasn't good enough because i wasn't getting the a's uh for the when i got my like first b it's like what the hell happened and then first year i almost failed out of my first year uh out of my my uh, first year program um because again when when you're not opening up books and not trying to consume the information it gets it gets pretty tough Uh, and then for whatever reason and and i wish i had read the book (laughs) around that time but I decided to, you know what, uh, after getting a letter saying that uh, you might be uh, dismissed from the program and be pulled out type of thing, that was kind of the wake-up call to say, okay, you know what, I actually should try and actually should open. And then, yeah, I saw a, a, a steady increase in, in, in my marks. Um, but there was always that, that uh, pressure to perform. And I was trying to decompose on whether or not a lot of it was self-imposed or if it was uh, from the parents. So it was a, a bit of both. Um, and, yeah, it's just culture. Everyone's trying to compete with each other um, like I, I was supposed to go to Waterloo for computer science because it was kind of the top school I didn't get in so I, I had to go to kind of the the, the next one and, and, and make the most of it I did UT Scarborough because it had a co-op program so at least I had the foresight to <laughs> try to get some work experience on on that side but um, yeah it was it was definitely you had to uh, perform you had to do well you couldn't show your uh, your vulnerability of I'm, I was struggling and, and I uh, can't do this uh, especially since I had this label of, of, of gifted and smart and whatever um, but I've since been able to kind of switch to that, that, that growth mindset and realize that you know what it, I may be smart but you actually have to work for it too <laughs> and uh, doing that work smart and, and working hard is, is definitely something that, uh, that was important so yeah there was, there was a bit of that uh, pressure actually uh, probably a lot of that pressure um, w- one of the jokes that we had is you come home with like a ninety-two percent, and it's like, well, where's the other eight? <laughs> type of thing, right? Um, but uh, th- they never necessarily said that in those specific words, but I always felt that that sort of pressure, right? So, um, yeah. Hmm. And uh, so, wait,
0: you you got to take like a gifted at, at four and age four, no, yeah. no, grade four. No, no, not not age four. So, okay. So the way four. that it
1: works here is you take this test in in uh, grade. Uh, four, three, I think. Okay. And uh, you put this. This you have to do multiple levels, and my, my sister was identified that way. So there was aspirations that that I got identified as well. So once a week we'd go to the special school where they they do like more activities and puzzles and brain teasers and stuff like that, which I thought was great. Um, but most people don't want to be identified as different, right? Whether it's good or bad. Um, so so I had to be carted off me in this one other girl, but she wanted to be like the normal people, so she never went, right? So um, she she stayed with kind of the, the regular folks. Um, I, I decided for whatever reason to do that. And uh, yeah, so it, it continued on until high school, and there was again a special set of uh, things that you had to do. And I was always like the the bottom of the, of that class, uh, which was, was not good, at least I was up there but I, I was uh, I was definitely struggling, right? Because uh, all my friends uh, who were smart, they they were actually studying. They were actually doing what they were supposed to do, right? So it was uh, a bit challenging. It, it's it's kind of yeah, good job, Luki. Like first world problems type of thing. But I mean, it, it's it's the reality where where unfortunately there is that uh, um, perception or, or or that 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 pressure that that is put upon folks. Um, yeah.
0: Hmm. What kind of uh Dream occupation or like career did you have when you were like seven? That was
1: seven. Yeah. Uh, it was probably the typical like astronaut, police officer yeah. type of thing. Um, but if I kind of think back, I actually at one point wanted to be an architect. Right. I actually I think in grade eight uh, I drew my own house uh, because it had like like a hidden pathway and like a slide that went down like one of those. I was I think I read a book where it was one of those like mansions where they did that. Uh, so I actually did an architectural drawing of that and I tried to do it in the schematic and stuff. And then I took a look at uh, kind of that career path, like, wow, it looks super hard and, and ridiculous. And, and how many architects really uh, are there other than building like small houses? Like, how many people designed this building? Well, one. <laughs> right. So, but how many other people are um, any sorts of things like, and, and for me, like computer science was the, the big thing there because uh, the dot-com bubble w- w- was uh, starting, uh, which is why it kind of led me to, to that path. But um, when I was yeah, so when I was six, I was I was looking to be uh, an architect.
0: Wow, it's, that's that's funny because um, I I thought about being an architect for a very long time too when mm. I was young. Um, I think s- around similar ages to grade seven, eight. I sure. had a yep. project of designing a house, and I was the only one that actually made a s- a cylinder. Oh, house
1: okay. and no, I just drew it. I never actually made it. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah.
0: like so I didn't make it, but like we had to like do all these blueprints and actually okay. calculate how you know the house would be formed inside like the interior design mm-hmm. and everything. And then I kind of got hooked and I started taking classes at um, an arts university like mm-hmm. to build up a portfolio to mm-hmm. apply to architecture school. And so I did everything like physics, chemistry, like all the stuff. To get into an in- architecture had the same requirements as engineering, so I did mm-hmm. all the stuff. And then close to the end of it. What I considered my portfolio just was not what I thought it should be. Like yeah. I compared it to other, my other friends who were good at art or other kids in the architectural program or right. like the class I was going to, and I was like, "Man, I, th- this is not really my forte." <laughs> and I ended up um, not taking that path altogether. But it's it's funny that you mentioned architecture; it just it makes me reminisce back to my time.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of think to back whether I made the right decision, and and I. I believe I did but at the same time yeah, I, I like to uh, do some creative work once in a while like draw and this and that but never as good as, as other people right so. yeah,
0: yeah well y- your current endeavor is creative in its own different way right different way yeah, yeah. definitely um, and so
1: after computer science you went to join Hewlett Packard as a consultant I was actually that, that was a co-op term so I did okay. that for four months it was actually an interesting one where they gave me a, a lot of free reign they, this was in was it 2000 right so they had this thing called cool town right so it's basically a showcase of all of hp's uh, new innovative technology so this is when like 802.11a the the wireless standard just got ratified like bluetooth was a new thing and like handhelds were like this massive uh, uh endeavor right so we had a a three-quarter mock-up of uh of a ford mustang in in the showcase With basically a 40-inch plasma screen and this is when plasma screens cost like forty thousand dollars so it was there and uh, we basically had a setup where someone would take their handheld uh, and basically put it in the phone and it would kind of sync to the device and this is like in 2000 right so this is like almost 20 years ago uh they were trying to profile this technology and then uh, it would say, Oh, you like uh Japanese food and as you're uh g p s navigating around okay you might want to stop off for lunch type of thing and then your car ends up uh having having like some uh problem and so it signals the garage that uh there's one down the street and uh, they accept your insurance and stuff of like that and it, it uh, uh radios for like a a rental car to kind of to meet you there so you go to the garage and while you're at the garage there's this jukebox with if folks even know what that is but it's kind of like a portable music player and you could pay for the jukebox with with your handheld and they had like a, a, a pop machine a vending machine and you could pay for that in in that and uh, they would have these these infrared beacons where you could get uh information on like the artwork that's all around there and all within your handheld and it was like really cool and and it would uh print all that sort of stuff. So they were way ahead of their, their, their time, but at the same time, a lot of it was, was smoke and mirrors because none of the infrastructure existed for, for any of this sort of stuff. So we'd have to kind of uh, force fit. Uh, when I click this button, then it activates this pressure switch, which makes the Coke fall down from the machine, right? Uh, but it, it made for a, a good kind of like media day. Um, so I wasn't given like a half million dollar budget to kind of put that in place, which I thought was was super cool. And, and my title was, uh, a technical consultant so that was my first kind of introduction into consulting even though that wasn't really consulting but uh, yeah it kind of turned me on to that and uh it was it was an it was an awesome experience um i think i was like way over my head in terms of being able to do that but i guess i was naive enough to say that yeah i, I can do that i can i can figure it out and because uh, a lot of this technology that it's it's super new, right? The infrared technology, again, Bluetooth, like nobody even knew what Bluetooth was. Like, how, how do you automatically pair? Like, what, what is this thing? I, I don't, it doesn't even make sense. So yeah, that was the the one co-op term at at, at, uh, at Hewlett Packard, which I think was the, I guess, the planting of the seed of, of what consulting is. So that's why when, when I ended up uh, joining Deloitte, well, okay, I'm familiar with that term, even though it was, it was totally different than, than what I did there. but.
0: Right. Okay. So, okay. Now we go into the next phase. Where now you're at Deloitte, and you've been you've had close to like a 13 year career at Deloitte in the technology consulting practice. And so, when you first got into the job, were you then thinking, "All right, I'm going
1: to make another cool town (laughs) as part of Deloitte"? No, I was totally. So, when I graduated, the dot com bubble burst. Right. So, folks in tech, it was really hard to get a job. Um, Actually, when I graduated. Uh, I actually was thinking that I would be a a technical support person so previously I worked at the federal government doing tech support Uh, I I was doing that at at TD Bank for co-op terms and over the summer and stuff and uh, I like dealing with people and helping them with their problems so I thought hey why not be like a tech support person that was that was my dream job Uh, and I actually had a few opportunities that because I had co-op uh, I had a couple of job offers and pretty pretty, pretty low-paying ones, but for, for that time, the fact that you got a job or an offer was was awesome. Um, and then a friend's brother, uh, they said, hey, we're looking for a developer. So I'm like, okay, I, I could try to do that. I've never really done a job as a developer before. Uh, so he helped me get an interview and I, I got the job. And the company just happened to be with, with Deloitte. I had no idea, like uh, I was talking to some business folks. Yeah, yeah, they do some like accounting stuff. Uh, so i just kind of uh stumbled into that and uh it, it was great there was the the decision between different firms um different companies there was a, a, a smaller firm that was doing that uh what is it network infrastructure storage or something like that and uh, i just felt that deloitte would have like uh, more more growth opportunities so i picked that and uh yeah a few months in i realized uh i don't really like coding for whatever reason because I never really did it like it's not that I hated it. but then I found like there's there's actually a team on the other side of the floor that they were having lots of fun right They were always uh, collegial like like and, and, and it was uh, seemed like good time. so I got friendly with them and asked them, well what do you guys do? And they did this thing called sourcing and procurement like I have no idea what the heck that stuff is. but uh, I learned a little bit and then they, I asked them, well do you need any help? And they said, yeah, we need a, a technical lead. Right. Okay, and I thought, well, what does a technical lead do? Well, they just manage a bunch of developers, right? So I said, ah, I, I can manage a team of me. So uh, I ended up taking that, that role, and this is with like a technology that uh, I've only been using and learning for like two months, but now I'm leading a team of like seven people in order to do that, right? So I was like on the plane, reviewing manuals, uh, and do, do preparing for workshops that uh, for, for the next day um we, we'd run the workshop and then overnight i'd have to prepare for the next one because i'm just figuring out i'm, I'm just a couple steps ahead of the, the client because this is technology where it's, it's relatively new for the company itself and so there weren't very many people who knew how to do it but again maybe just being naive that like wow oh, this is cool i'm learning i'm getting paid to learn and, and and all that sort of stuff i'm working like crazy but uh I'm, I'm growing so much so yeah and i did that and i basically took on pretty much every role from the tech lead and i did more uh, functional stuff so I would, as a technical lead, I'd be in workshops and they'd be drawing like process diagrams and showing, well, when you go from here, you go to this step or that step. And then I said, ah, I can do that, right? So I, I started leading the workshops and, and, and doing that. And from there, I, I did more like the testing and the, the change management and the training because like, well, if I designed the system, hopefully I can like make, test it and make sure it works. Uh, if I designed it and built it, hopefully I can train you on how to use it. And then if I've done all that, I might as well manage the project. Right? And if I managed a whole bunch of these projects, I might as well advise you in all the risks and issues on, on, on the different projects that are happening. So I kind of evolved over the 12 years, um, almost 13, and essentially ended up uh, running w- one of the practice areas there. And uh, yeah, I had about 20, 25 people underneath me, million dollar accounts, um, and was a recognized global subject matter expert in sourcing and procurement technology. Um, well, that's kind of what the marketing said. but. Um, what really kind of uh, I, I took away from from that experience, obviously, other than than all the core consulting type type learnings, was uh, I, I realized an interest in in people and and people development. So I, I got involved uh, quite by accident. My senior manager at the time said, "Hey, uh, someone just assigned me this campus recruiting thing, so you're going to help me do it." I'm like, uh, "Okay, thanks." So and I would be on campus doing all the info sessions, uh, helping organize re- interviews and and. Uh, running through the process and then going through the process of, of of shortlisting and selecting and working with partners to see their needs and stuff of like that, and I found I really liked that. It was it was an awesome experience uh, and it, it kept kept me young because I'd be with all the kids and and meeting with them and, and learning more about their um, their journeys and stuff of like that, and yeah, so I just kept doing that and got more and more involved in in people and talent development and uh, that's kind of what what led me to to my switch where. Um, like it, it seems all good and, and rosy and all that sort of stuff. And uh, in, in that role, I actually uh, had literally the list that said yes or no to anyone that got hired across all of Canada into tech consulting, right? So um, I had a, a lot of responsibility there, and, and, it, and it, was a, it was a great time. So, uh, and then I had what I call my, my quarter career crisis, which is uh, traveled a lot as a consultant. So, out of the 12 years that I was there, probably about Eight of them were, were on a plane uh, on Monday morning, uh, go, go off to a client and then Thursday fly back, sometimes Friday or sometimes over the weekend, whatever. Uh, and I was on a project specifically in, in Montreal and I was FaceTiming with my wife and uh, my, my son at the time, he was uh, I think one or two, and he was learning to walk and talk and roll and stuff like that. And I had a second one on the way, so I had to make a decision on what do I, what do, I do, right? Because uh, I was senior manager, next up would have been partner was a clear path for me to get there as I was being uh, groomed into into that role Um, or family because I didn't think I could do both at the same time so uh, I ended up picking family um, and then I had to figure out well what did I want to actually do when when I uh, grew up so to speak Um, and after a lot of soul searching self-reflecting and and speaking to mentors like coaching came up right because doing the multi-million dollar transformations with like a senior VP or or CEO or whatever it's kind of like Meh, right? I've done that uh, a bunch of times, but when a new hire came on board and, and they were ready to start and they wanted to have coffee with me, I got excited, right? And so there was something to kind of exploring your interest in that, um, and I, I found there was a need because there's so many folks out there who uh, I would go to an info session and ask them, well, why do you want to be a consultant? And their their chest puffs up and say, like, well, I want to be a consultant because of blah blah blah. I've done this 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 is this, and then I asked, no no no, hold on, why do you really want to be a consultant? And they'll Kind of soften up and say, well, because I couldn't be a, a doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, and, and my brother was one, or my dad was one, or my uncle was one, and then, well, what do you what do you really want to be? They would say something. Like, ah, you know what? I love cooking. I love art. I love this and that. Um, and, well, why don't you pursue that? It's like, well, I can. Why not? And and so that kind of triggered me to say, okay, people don't really have the the understanding of options, right? Sure, there are risks, but sometimes. Uh, especially when you're young go take those risks right uh, especially in this day and age and it's it's the appropriate conversations with with parents or family or whatever to say hey this stuff is uh it's going to help me in my long run because i'm going to actually be doing stuff that that fulfills me that 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 i love doing and i'll throw myself into it versus something that i'm only doing it for the sake of it right so uh, it's kind of a long uh winded answer so hopefully that kind of goes through my my journey through through deloitte and actually a little bit through the through the transition part of uh, going from there into my entrepreneurial journey, so to speak.
0: Yeah, no, I, and I think the the continuous theme that I'm constantly seeing is just, you know, you talked about how when you were deciding to leave, you, you know, asked yourself and you thought about you know what what what, what really excites me, and it was mm-hmm. like those times of, you know, oh, I have a coffee with this new hire, like I'm excited and. Yeah. I can totally understand what you're talking about, just because I have those similar sparks too, and mm-hmm. like I know, like oh, today I'm meeting this person that I'm supposed to help. That's amazing. And right. um, but even before that, like when even as a developer, you see what the guys, is, uh, like, you know, the sourcing and procurement team are doing, and you go, that's how, that looks interesting. I think I want to do that. Yeah. And just putting your hand up and raising your hand, and from the progression you've had, since you've constantly been raising your hand to. Mm-hmm do what it would seem to be like naturally curious to you was that did you read the book by carol Dyke by then like nope. to cause i, I like, read think that about? like last year okay <laughs>
1: so it was much much later on so i guess i was always a curious person uh and i, I think part of it is just being naive too where i didn't think oh, well, well sure i'll try it why, why not um and it was one where um because I, I i did do it i picked it up and and i saw success from it and i realized that i i, I could do it and uh, deloitte's a great company has a lot of support uh, and, and infrastructure around and and people i uh, had a lot of good mentors throughout the whole process that kind of helped me through that right um, and and again supportive parents so so as long as as much as i talk about like the pressures around like they they were great uh, a lot of it is probably more more self-imposed than than what they, they put on um, but it is one where yeah i i guess i was always a, a curious person i never thought of myself as that because. I was uh, more, more introverted. Again, the typical computer scientist type of thing. And uh, yeah, but, but sure, why not? Like if someone said, hey, you wanna try this? Sure, why not? I wanna try this? Sure, why not? You wanna try this? Sure, why not? And then the most challenging part in the whole process was trying to figure out like how to say no. Because <laughs> uh, oftentimes you get overloaded with too many things and you wanna try too many things and you get kind of that, that FOMO, the fear of missing out type factor. And uh, yeah, so, so you don't wanna say no, but at the same time, by taking on more stuff and you get uh, a little overloaded and overwhelmed. So somehow I managed to balance myself in, in, in that. And again, the whole reason for writing writing the book was to kind of outline, all that this is the stuff that I learned the hard way, right? And and if someone had told me this, uh, hopefully I would have listened because sometimes uh, a, a, it takes a while for it to incubate and, and, and grow within um, your own mindset. But yeah, this is hopefully stuff that, that, that uh, this is definitely the stuff that I wish I knew earlier that I think would have helped me be even more successful in my career path right
0: mm. and you also mentioned how you became marketed as a subject matter expert <laughs> in what you did and did you feel that as that brand became part of like it kind of pigeonholed you into a specific niche that mm-hmm. might have hurt your chances of being more curious in other areas like it's it seems kind of like how you get branded like as a gifted mm-hmm. child so there's, mm-hmm. there's not pressure to focus on procurement like closing a procurement and yeah. being really good at that
1: yeah for me i actually went through like a journey of figuring out like what what is m- my brand what what is that because that is definitely a question that that's asked so typically when you're be a consultant you're a consultant of something you're an expert in something that doesn't mean you can't do other things but uh, you are the industry leading person in a particular area right so uh, a lot of times i, I I thought I had identified myself as the sourcing and procurement, the technology person, uh, someone who can just pick up any technology and understand the business process and and do that um, and um, I had a, the other brand of the the recruiting guy right the campus recruiting guy so those are kind of the two brands that I had there and uh, there's a specific meeting that uh, we had so I, we're senior managers I uh, had a, a meeting with one of the very senior partners and uh, he, we're talking about his brand so this is a a partner where he, he's done a lot of things, right? He he like built the Hong Kong practice. He did like manufacturing lead. He he headed all of technology, all of Canada, and, and now is like an Uber global partner. And he's uh, he, he's retiring now. But but anyways, at that time, um, someone asked the question, "Well, how many brands have you had?" And uh, he said uh, something that that really stuck with me. He's like, "I've only had one." I'm like, huh? Okay, please explain. Uh, and he said, well, I, it took me a while to figure it out, but the brand that I had throughout the whole process was, was leadership. Right? I was always leading that. So whether, whatever my business card said, I was always uh, leading people and, and, and inspiring people and, doing, and creating a vision and all that sort of stuff. I was like okay, which, which caused me to say, well, actually, my brand isn't sourcing a procurement. It's not um, recruiting. It's not whatever. It's, it's mentorship. Like, I'm a good consultant because I mentor my clients. I provide them guidance and, 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 guidance and advice in order to how to do things better. I am good at r- recruiting and all that sort of stuff and, and people development because I, I mentor and coach that. So uh, that was kind of the, the aha moment where, okay, maybe I can turn this into a full-time thing. And um, like the, the, the challenge was very, very challenging. And obviously, um, being a little bit, as we talked about, that, that risk averse, right? So, and risk is always in, in context, so trying to uh, mitigate that, and, and what I did was, um, essentially, uh, I, I had two things that really sparked me in order to, to go on the journey. Is one, I thought to myself, I will never have any more energy than I do now, right? Getting older, two kids, and, and, and all that. There's more pains in places where I never thought I had, I had muscles, that sort of thing. And the second thing was um i I will never have any more any less responsibility than i do now right so i've always been entrepreneurial uh had tendencies i wanted to open up my own restaurant and like a a tutoring school and all that sort of stuff um but i never uh, enacted on that so based on those things i realized okay if i'm gonna do this i do want to do it when would i do it And, and when i'm like 65 when the kids are out of the house or whatever uh, and I thought to myself, okay, on those things. Well, if I did this, what what might happen? So I go off and, and start this entrepreneurial thing, and it's a colossal failure. Uh, I could probably go back and get my old job back. Maybe not in the same uh, path or trajectory, um, but they'd probably take me back. Uh, or one of the clients that I build good relationships with, I could probably do that. Or I mean, I could I could probably work at some quick serve restaurant, at a Starbucks or whatever. I could do that and. Like before I end up on the street, I could like move in with my parents, my in-laws or friends or whatever before any of that stuff happened. So it was actually a very risk mitigated approach. Um, and I, I ended up um, taking a, a contract. So there was a good opportunity at, at, at a bank. Uh, banks, you tend to have uh, better hours. right? And, uh, so I, and as a contractor, you get paid a little bit better based on like tax uh, and stuff like that. Um, so I used that as, as kind of my seed funding. And I did that for about a year. Uh, 9 to 5 doing that, and then from 5 to 12 uh, minus the time spent with the kids and and trying to be home for dinner and all that sort of stuff, figuring out, well, how can I uh, reach out and build like a a coaching practice around that? And and after a year, I uh, decided to, you know what, what if I did this full time, right? And that was a very painful experience because, again, uh, without that consistent income, there's a lot of whole mindset stuff that that needs to happen and, and transition to. But now uh, it, it's kind of growing and it's building and now I have a ton of opportunities and I have to figure out what, what to say yes to and what to say no to is, 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 is the trajectory. And, and uh, I have a, a goal to make uh, Toronto the mentorship capital of the world, which is my new marketing um, branding. And uh, it's to share that, that swike the stuff I wish I knew earlier, because that's what a mentor does. When I was your age, this is what I did. And you can choose to do it or, or not, but I encourage everyone to have five, 10 mentors or however many they can handle but more importantly to have five, 10 mentees and share that wisdom that you've gathered where that person in fourth year, in grade 12, in grade eight would greatly benefit from the experiences that you've had because they are you uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, or 10 years from now, whatever it is, um, they are you. And, and because you can't necessarily Google it or, or um, find that information, having these conversations, and, and I applaud you for like recording these because someone will benefit from the conversation is it one person for sure is it 10 people maybe is it a hundred is a hundred thousand who knows but there'll be someone be like oh i will go down that path because i got inspired by that or i won't go down that path because i got inspired by that so um yeah i think all this stuff is is um how i decided to kind of switch over and uh yeah and and kind of go through that that entrepreneurial journey
0: no i i, I think uh just your approach i think there's before I go into your approach, I think one thing that immediately popped into my mind when you're telling me about um, the value of even having mentees. Mm. I, I don't remember, it's, an, it's another popular saying, but I don't remember who said it, but it goes along the lines that you want to have five people old, much older than you, five people your age, and five people who are much younger than you. Okay. And that should be your mastermind group mm. where you are continuously, you have peers that always challenge you, but you also have mentors who will guide you, but you also have mentees that you will teach and mm. Those three will continuously help you learn constantly in different ways and formats, and right. I think that's something that is constantly overlooked the, the value of actually having mentees and because when you teach you also learn so mm-hmm. much um, mm-hmm. from people who have much younger and different perspectives from you because even five years younger than you would be in a, sometimes in like a completely different
1: generation given how fast things are changing yep. in our world. Yep. Um, and I think that age is a bit of a, of a proxy, right? Where right, yeah. sometimes it's not age because there's some young folks that have accomplished way more than I have. And uh, I, I, I treat them as mentors. And, and people actually ask me, like, how many mentors uh, do you have? And I'm like, uh, thousands or hundreds and thousands. Because basically everybody who I meet is, is a mentor in, in one shape or form. Like, I have something to learn from you. Um, and I've learned a ton from you already but uh, like uh, what is it that I have to learn from from you and and, and my goal is to figure out what that is so uh, and and for some people it's uh, it's what not to do <laughs> because you know you know those people in your life but oftentimes uh, by taking that, that mindset um, like I'm a huge advocate of soft skills and, and building relationships and uh, like I was obviously the total opposite of that before uh, from a computer science perspective uh, but now understanding that uh, at the end of the day like it's, it's about people right and, and the relationships that you build, um, those are going to be an impactful for you in order to be more more successful in, in your career path, right?
0: And, and it seems that you know, you, I was surprised when you talked told me about how you were arrogant when you were younger because you were in like a gifted program. Because mm-hmm. you know, from our conversations, it's very apparent that you, you have a lot of humility in how you speak <laughs> and how you want to learn from a lot, a lot of people. Like you can't be curious if you're not humble. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think maybe it's it was that experience that actually helped. It was so mm-hmm. impactful that it just pushed you completely to the other end. Yeah. Um, it, but I think another thing that really like, got me really excited was just your method of risk mitigation. It's, it's a very stoic way of looking at what's <laughs> the worst that can happen. And when you actually think about what's the worst that sure. could happen, you actually had a pretty good margin of safety to sure. make the decision that yeah. you did. Um, and I think it was surprising. something that I was very curious about was that where you, know, you, you have kids, you have a family and a lot of i think people who would be in similar situations as you who've had who've established themselves in a big firm who are Mm -hmm. on the partner track would have this huge feeling of that sunk cost fallacy of Mm -hmm. man how can i throw this away and thinking that it is like they're throwing something away Mm -hmm. um and also just immediately saying i can't take that risk i have kids i have a family i have a mortgage i can't do that Mm -hmm. and just immediately shut the door on that but for you, like, making the decision, you went through your personal risk mitigation process. But what was it like actually going through the decision process with your family, your friends, like, your colleagues? How did they all, like, react to?
1: Yeah, so there were there were a lot of varying and different reactions. So, uh, like, it was obviously uh, a lot of discussion with my wife. So there's a long time coming before I actually made the decision. and. Uh, she knows that that I was a bit of a, a flip-flopper We're like, oh, okay, are you deciding to stay or are you deciding to go today, right? <laughs> what about today? And then like, because I would change my mind because it was a hard decision because to your point, being somewhere for like over a decade, that that's a huge investment. Uh, and I had huge opportunities ahead of me, right? Uh, but there was kind of this uh, nagging feeling and I, I, I don't know exactly when it came to me but I, it's uh, kind of summed up, I think it's a Jim Rohn quote where he says that the... Um, um, the, the, the pain of doing weighs ounces and, and the pain of regret uh, weighs tons, right? So for me, it's like, okay, which would be worse? So uh, going down this path and having it be a colossal failure and, and having to uh, like tail between my legs, ca- crawl back and, and get my old job back type of thing, or being kind of 65, uh, 95 and saying, hmm, I could have, I should have tried that thing. So... Uh, that that really stuck with me where like that that would probably eat me up inside, right? Because I don't have an opportunity and because I always had those initial uh, entrepreneurial tendencies and then I kind of went through like uh, Screw it. Like, you know what? I'll give myself two years three years to do it, right? And if it doesn't work, okay let, let, Let's go through. It. Let's let's uh, do whatever I need to do um, And it doesn't mean that it was easier, um, or, or uh, like there's so many I, I need to buy, uh, write a stuff I wish I knew earlier entrepreneurial edition, because there's so many uh, things but a lot of it is, is, is mindset right because the, the tactical stuff is actually relatively easy it's the uh, making sure that when you wake up you actually want to do the stuff that you want to do uh, and because and there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that's awesome and great and there's a bunch of administrative stuff like I, I think we chatted before I'm, I'm the CEO and the janitor right I got to mop the floors and do all that sort of stuff uh, which which I would not rather want to do and when you're in a big company you have other people to, to help you with that but when you're on your own it's, it's, it's not that so um, the decision was hard and and um, some it was encouraged when I, I would be f- with folks in in my my kind of a goodbye party that sort of thing and uh, there'll be a lot of folks who've known me through my career and and uh, they, they go, Lukey, like, WTF? I, I thought you were a lifer. Like, I thought you were your on-track partner. And it's like, yeah. um So so what happened? And then I uh, kind of go through that, and I'd, I'd say, so what are you going to do? And I would say, well, I'm going to become a career coach. And then they kind of said, oh, that actually makes sense. And so that was a little bit reassuring, where even uh, the, the career path was, okay, people saw me in that light anyway. Um, so uh, that conversation was was uh, relatively easy actually. Uh, my, my kids were too young to, to, to understand. And then it, it's a, a challenge with uh, like in-laws and, and my own parents because my parents are like, cool, yeah, do what, what you love. And then the in-laws were like, um, what? He, he's making a lot of good money over here and he's quitting that to do that. So it's a lot of uh, trying to uh, kind of keep them up to date and informed in terms of what I've, what I've been doing because uh, a lot of folks, they don't understand. They don't understand what this whole path is or what the interest is. They, they would rather just get a job, clocking at 9, get out at 5, and then get that paycheck and then raise family, kids, and all that sort of stuff and do it. So um, it's it's communication, I guess, uh, helped in that process. But um, at the end of the day, it was just just me uh, informing and saying, this is what I'm doing versus asking for permission, right? Um, whether that was the right thing to do or not. Um, I mean, it's just kind of how, how it ended up shaping out. So right I, I think
0: uh, a thing I used to say a lot to my colleagues back when I was in consulting was um, ask for forgiveness not permission mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so it was more and I'm sure I, I rubbed off wrong to some people but also <laughs> I got a lot of respect from other people in yep. terms of what I ended up doing where it was yep. just you, you've already decided you know deep down what you want to do and yep. it's just, you just do it and see how it goes and so how was the how were like the first like six months
1: of running you know focus right so well the first year I was on on that contract right, right. so it's actually relatively easy and smooth because I had some some good money coming in um, on the day job and then at night uh, whenever I could carve out some some hours when the kids were in bed or I could say hey I have this event um, there's a lot of flexibility where I if I got my stuff done then uh, people would assume I'm in meetings and that sort of thing um, so the, the first year was actually quite good um, trying to get traction now the, the challenge for, for me is there's probably too many um, false positives in the sense that yeah everybody wants this coaching because a lot of it was me trying to give that the, the service for free just to kind of build the um, the foundations but when you start charging uh, then people are, are less receptive to that and figuring out what what model um, at, at one point during that time I created this uh, this training workshop to like unleashing your career potential and, and this is like a resume and job hunt seeking workshop uh, rented out like a, a meeting space at, at a hotel and and kind of got it we could have like 40 people there and like a lecture style thing and i uh, put it out there and no one registered like <laughs>
0: wow. that
1: that was not not great at all um so i started giving tickets away for for free and then lowered the cost and stuff like that right um so i never didn't end up breaking even for that it's like okay well okay maybe that's not the right thing so uh, maybe it's not training courses. Maybe it's the individual one. Uh, maybe it's supporting, like, uh, institutions like schools. Maybe it's uh, going through businesses. So I had to come up with, well, what are the different ways, and then try to systematically go through it. Um, and then I was seeing a bit of traction again. We're still not in that first year. So I said, you know what, if I double down what now, and basically put the full time commitment into, into this work, I, I'm sure I can see something. That first year was, was quite terrible, actually, <laughs> in terms of, um, because a lot of the stuff, and a lot of it is the mindset stuff, where where I didn't necessarily value my own services, so I would be giving away this stuff for free. Meanwhile, that person was very readily willing to, to pay for it, right? Um, because a part of it is me trying to be very like philanthropic and helping humanity and stuff like that, but uh, and, and and being nice to people. Meanwhile, it's like no, I, I would have paid for this. Um, so it was kind of getting past that that mindset, and there was a bit of a like imposter syndrome, like not being good enough because who am I as a coach? I didn't have any certifications, I didn't have an experience. Like sure I've been doing it informally for the past like decade and stuff like that, but like who what what does that mean? So it's uh, it was that journey to kind of fix my mindset and figure, okay, where do I want to focus on? And then it was a lot of the the big eyes type of thing, where oh, I could I could do it one on one, I could do it for companies, I could do workshops, I could do it for schools, I could create um, all, all these different kind uh, a, a podcast, I could write a book, I could do whatever. And oftentimes, when you do too many things and and aren't focused, then uh, as you talk about, like it's better to have one thing done at a hundred percent than ten things at ten percent, right? So I was a victim of that. So um, and then it was the a bit of well, if I'm not seeing traction, it was is this the right thing? Am I a failure? Am I not doing this in, in the right way? Um, so I was always trying to pick myself up out of those values. Okay, no, <laughs> my company is called Focus Inspired, so you've got to get focused <laughs> and pick one thing and uh, trying to inspire myself to, to do that. So it, the the I'm, I'm, I guess in my third year, uh, that middle year was, was pretty challenging, uh, probably a year and a half. Uh, but now I think I've got to the point where I've, I've built a bit of a, a foundation. People uh, are, are starting to really know me and, and I'm not having to kind of go out and uh, biz dev and, and sell uh, as much because uh, more of it's coming here. So uh, I'm, I'm reaping the, the fruits of my labor, but it's uh, definitely was a very, very challenging uh, first little bit. Um, so I encourage folks, if they do go down this path, like uh, make sure you build a lot of buffer. Like I, I thought I could have this up and running in like two years type of thing. And it's, I'm on year three and we're, we're still picking up. Um, but like, double whatever you think it is, and uh, hopefully that that'll save you a lot of um, headache and anxiety later on.
0: Right? Yeah, no, you couldn't have put it any better way. Um, like the imposter syndrome, the feeling of, am I really the right person to be talking mm-hmm. about this thing? Um, those are things that continue like, to plague me, like mm-hmm. even just on an everyday basis. Um, even just like I'll send out like a like every Tuesday I send out like a 2000 word article that I would have written and some some somewhere like I I think like there's like a great article like I think I've (laughs) written a masterpiece essay and like nobody will read it Mm -hmm. and then I try not to get hung up on about it but sometimes you just can't help it sometimes it just hits you randomly while you're just sitting down
1: and reading and then you stop reading and you go man that that sucked yeah especially considering you've had a, a bunch of success in your career too and it's always been self-reinforcing like I'm doing a good job I'm doing a good job but now you're in this totally new path and, and in this totally different pond and well nobody's really noticing this uh, and, and realizing okay well I'm new like uh, you're now a, a one month old or a one year old in, in this kind of new journey okay give yourself some credit you have, you have room to grow uh, before you start walking before you start crawling before you're running that sort of thing uh, yeah there, there's there's room for improvement so for me this is like a huge kind of mindset shift so a lot of it is the, the stuff that I go through is the stuff that I've, I've uh, guinea pigged on myself right I, I've had to try and like oh crap how do I get past this and then all right this would make for a good article uh, yeah uh, and then walking through with with a client okay what about trying this 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 okay this is what I did okay I, these things didn't work for me but oh that worked for you cool Let, let's let's uh, see how we can do it so uh, now my, my aspiration is to kind of bring, bring all this to the, to the masses, right? So I actually have a um, goal to what I call move the middle, right? Because the top 10, 20%, they're fine. <laughs> they're going to be okay. They'll, 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 they'll be good and, and meet their kind of CEO level, SVP, whatever. The bottom 10, 20%, they have other challenges. Uh, hopefully the government and, and well, nonprofit and stuff will take care of them. But there's this huge 60 to 80% that if only they were given a few options and, and kind of encouraged or provided some toolkits or, or mitigated a bit of risk and kind of moved up one notch, then h- how big of an impact could could that be uh, through mentorship, through menteeship, through whatever it is, in order to kind of get those ones to the top um, as well. And my view is that there's there's abundance around where like it's it's not that you're taking away anything from the top, you're just making the pie bigger, right? You're not taking anyone's slices. So um, yeah, the, the ones that I, uh, try to focus on are are the, are the folks who are comfortable, right? They're, they're living their life, uh, doing um, they got a degree in accounting, uh, got a job in accounting, and they're okay with accounting. They don't love it, but it, they're comfortable, and they have this nibbling thing in the back of their heads like I could be doing more. I could be doing something different, right? Maybe in accounting, maybe in, in elsewhere And I pick on accountants just um, just because, um, but whatever it is, like me being a computer scientist. Right? you're doing it was it you are you the one steering did you steer yourself into uh, into this course right and uh, yeah so that's the the aspiration and uh, I have a, a goal to become uh, one of the, the new billionaires which is to uh, positively impact a billion people right now will I hit that goal maybe not but if I hit 100 million or a million or a hundred thousand yeah, and that's not half bad right so uh, yeah that might as well what's the expression uh, shoot for the stars because you might hit the moon type of thing so we'll see how big of an impact and and that that drives me because I, I get emails and notes like wow that's really helped and um, sometimes there there're people who I who I know and and have helped and and uh, sometimes they they're people who I just met or, or I haven't met uh, and to grow that would be an interesting thing because I think there, there needs to be a change in in conversation um, I actually feel that uh, education will be one of the the bubbles that are that are gonna burst soon, right? Because the there's more and more companies that are taking away degree requirements as a as a qualification in order to, to get a job there. I think two of the big four and I think Google and a bunch of other big players. And you don't longer need a bachelor's degree in order to get there. Well, if you don't have a bachelor's, then you don't need a GPA. If you don't need a GPA, then what do you actually need? Well, you need work experience. You need all this sort of stuff, right? So, and what happens to schools? It'll be different. And, and my view of uh, well, a, a potential future school or educational institute will be no professors, just guides. Because you can learn anything off of YouTube. Like Coursera, Udemy, all that sort of stuff has has the free courses now. There are great schools and courses at universities too. But sometimes it's not about sitting in front of a, a professor for, for a three-hour lecture. It's about, okay, and what do you do with it afterwards? That's the, the important part. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for people to kind of aspirationally again catalyze and and do something different uh and saying that if if you want to do more you can um especially the ones that are kind of uh middle-aged like myself is that well if you think about it if you take the typical retirement age 65 right and even if you're 40 you have a good 25 years left right sure you could keep coasting for for the next 25 years or why not do something with that right so uh, again just just uh changing the conversation and hopefully inspiring folks to do more than they would have otherwise dreamed they can do. Because I have a firm belief that, that everyone has huge potential and uh, greatness inside them. It's just that they're choosing to hold themselves back right. right? or something in their past has caused them to be held back, whether it's, again, parents or culture or whatever. Um, so what I try to do is kind of pull away the layers and say, okay, well, let, let's let you shine, right? As cheesy as that sounds but uh, yeah, get, get the real you out in, in, into the world and, and for all the amazing stuff that you should be doing, right? So I'm, I'm a constant learner. I have by no means figured this stuff out. I'm, I'm along the journey to, to do that, but every time I, I listen to and, and hear something new, it's, it's one that, oh, people should know about this. And again, it's not a, a, a broad brush stroke where everyone should do this. It's just, okay, uh, that DJ for personal development, this might work for you, this might work for you. This might work for you. This might not, right? So, giving people the, kind of the, the options and the resources is, is one of one of my goals. Mm-hmm. And
0: in, in terms of like actually, you know, now you're at the position like instead of you know now now it's about saying what am I saying no to and what am I saying mm-hmm. yes to. What was the process like of actually building your brand up to that point? Um, like personally, that's something I'm in the process of, and also it's something I'm finding is quite challenging just because I've never had to do that in any of my previous roles like mm-hmm. consulting doesn't really teach me how to do a lot of marketing for a company mm-hmm. um and so i'd be curious to hear like what your own personal journey was like in terms of yeah how am i going to market myself how am i going to am i going to do a lot of social media marketing am i going to be focusing on uh specific content that i want to unleash like was the book the big part of um how you wanted to do your marketing strategy
1: yeah, I mean, uh, again, I'd probably write a, another book on stuff I wish I you earlier on, on building my brand stuff because I I made it up. I had no idea. I, I'm not a trained marketer, and some of that stuff I, I, I try to uh, get from other resources. So kind of like the, the Gary V's of the world, I try to try to uh, do what I can. But uh, although he says a lot of stuff, I, I don't. I, I, I should be doing more. Um, so essentially, what I look to do is figure out like what what is that that. Um, the service or the value that i want to provide right and most folks uh in the entrepreneur journey they they recommend you to figure out what well, what is your initial niche starting market right uh the uh whatever a uh, thousand true fans that sort of thing and figuring out um who are those people that uh, like a hundred percent of that tiny uh, market would would love uh for your support and um, it, it took me a while to kind of get through that because i was trying to uh, i wanted to help the millennials, again, you've got a job in, in, in your degree of study, or whatever, and you realize you don't like doing it. Well, once you graduate, it's hard to get at those people because there's no one consistent place where they all kind of hang out. They kind of disperse and go everywhere. So I actually had to go further down where I was helping more schools um, it, because, well, you graduate pretty quickly. So if I hit you at fourth year, then you'll remember when you graduate that that, that was me or, or uh, that, that person that was in that talk on campus, that Lukey guy. Uh, and... Well, while you're there, I might as well help you with with a few things. So, uh, it was trying to figure out, okay, where are the areas that that came to me, and then it's trying to figure out, okay, what did I want to take on because uh, I have my a lot of recruiting experience. Do I want to take newcomers? A lot of newcomers were coming my way. Well, that seems like like easy cash, easy money type of thing because people would pay for like resume reviews or coaching or whatever. And it's like, well, that's not really the demographic that I want to go for. Like, although, well, I'm trying to find like partners to to figure out well is that a place that, where you want to want to tackle right so it's really trying to figure out like where who are the people that I truly want to serve and then what, what do they want right uh, I was very poor on social media I think uh, I, I really only got on LinkedIn maybe like two years ago and, and I well no sorry I was, I was on it longer but I only got a Facebook account like two years ago um, and that was just more to kind of save the, the name in case I, I had to develop my, my brand <laughs> that sort of thing um, so it's really uh, getting used to putting yourself out there because I'm naturally introvert so posting gave me a lot of anxiety like what do people think and all that sort of stuff but you do it enough and, and it kind of um, allows you to again be, be a little bit more confident eh, nobody's really listening slash nobody's really commenting but once in a while someone says a positive thing once in a while you get a, a like and, and it, 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 uh, is, uh, it makes you feel good and then, and then you get more and more and more and more so it was kind of evolving that and then uh, picking the different uh, areas that, that I wanted to focus on because at some point I want to do one-on-one coaching, right? And then at some point, no, just for the schools. No, I want to do it for businesses. No, I want to do it for whatever. Uh, so really figuring out which areas did, did I want to play in because there's only so many hours in the day, right? Especially with all the, the stuff that's going on. Where do I want to really spend that extra hour that I have? Um, and then what is the, kind of the branding the messaging around that so uh, the book came about really just because I was uh, when I was having a coffee with someone I'd be saying the same 60 70 percent of the same stuff so I could probably press play and and okay take a look at that so I wrote it just more of a hey why not uh, before you talk to me read this book and then we can have coffee and um, there's no money in books, so if you want to go down that route, like, don't, don't do it to get money. I, I've, I've heard that a lot of people are treating it like the, the new business card, right? Because people take business cards, and they kind of throw it away. Most people don't throw away books, right? So it's always there sitting on the shelf, and it's a, a bit of a rem- reminder of, of, of something, of, of that person that you met, and oh, you know what? I might look him up. So, uh, and part of it was uh, a bit of like an ego thing to say, I never thought I'd write a book, right? Uh, but I did. So what else did I think I would never do that now I can do? So it was, it was, a, it was a bit of that and just uh, timing. It, it, it seemed right. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's figuring out, like, who am I? So I, I did a couple of iterations. I was, uh, like, Toronto's millennial career coach and, and uh, the DJ for personal development, the uh, career catalyst, the... Um, personal trainer for careers, all of those different things kind of evolve based on uh, different discussions uh, that I've had. So it's kind of an additive, um, DJing my own message out to, to other folks. So um, it's really trying to figure out like what value that you're you trying to provide. Um, and I'd encourage you, again, f- pick that, that, that target niche market, get those thousand true fans, and then figure out how to, how to expand from that. Because I did a little bit more No, I can help everyone. Right, and by doing that, what's, there's an expression like if you're everything to everyone, then you're nothing to no one. So uh, that was kind of it, it fell flat because I would I would uh, used to use Facebook ads and, and kind of target everybody, but now uh, I'm I'm doing a little bit more targeted, right? So it's it's uh, getting a better better results. So all the stuff that, that uh, again most of the people out there say, but nah, I I, I don't need to listen to that. <laughs> I can do things on my own because everyone wants this sort of stuff, right? Um, so part of it is, is just getting past my, my own ego too, um, or what, whatever it might not be ego. Whatever it is that that's kind of saying that that, that I'm different and I need to be um, I need to be right, right. And uh, yeah, so the journey was it's it's evolving. I, I'm still evolving. I, I don't think I have my own brand. And, and what I also want to do is, is detach my my own personal brand from my my company brand because uh, I was always introverted. I didn't want to be in the spotlight. So I always try to focus the brand. But then I realized that people were coming to me people weren't necessarily coming to the brand, so I had to kind of embrace that to say, hey, you know what, I will do the stuff, I will do the speaking stuff, I will do whatever. Like I'm not a natural public speaker, but I do it because it it gives me, getting me in front of 40 people, 100 people, and uh, a real connection versus just like a a Facebook ad or LinkedIn ad or whatever it is. Um, So yeah, it's the testing and trying and seeing what works um, and, and being comfortable, being uncomfortable, that sort of thing. And putting yourself out there, right? So that's kind of the gradual evolution of the brand. And I don't even know if if I have a brand yet, <laughs> but it's definitely something that's that's evolving and something that I, that I want to develop, right? Yeah,
0: no, definitely. And in terms of like th- things like speaking, or even as you like decided to start charging for coach coaching and just like the one on one or even like the groups, like what was it like getting your first client when you asked for the first paid
1: client? How'd that go? Um well there's a lot of it is oh okay you you, you want to pay for this this is really that thing um, and again part of it is 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 the mindset where i totally uh, undercharge, right uh, i had the, the initial one was like like a dollar a day right for for coaching so coaching someone for a year for like 365 bucks that was probably not uh, a great idea even though kind of the industry average is like one or two hundred dollars an hour right um, but i was like no i want to help people i would do this for free uh, but if I got paid a dollar a day, that would be good enough, right? So uh, that's not a great uh, mentality, or at least from a business savvy perspective, to, to have on it. So really balancing for, for me um, the, the the wanting to help versus the uh, needing to keep a roof over my kids' heads, that type of thing, was, was, was a challenge. Um, but I mean, it was definitely uh, gratifying in terms of being able to say, "Oh, someone is willing to pay for this." Now, it was uh, not going too far because there were a couple people who, "Oh, you're willing to pay." You're willing? So I started increasing my prices, and then figuring, out, "Okay, what is what is the cutoff between um, what what people will will kind of easily say yes to, and what people will uh, kind of start balking at?" And uh, but also using that as, as a filter criteria because sometimes the that i would take is like well you're not really committed to this you're just doing it because it's cheap right uh, and and do i want you and and i had kind of a um a mindset that no i can help everyone but sometimes i i don't have the tools or or, or the experience yet yet to help that person i still believe i can help that person but not necessarily at this moment so uh it, it's trying to figure out okay who do i truly want to help and um focusing on selling to the the people who want, who want versus the the unsellable as 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 uh, people talk about it and seeing again who's gonna most benefit for, for from the value that i provide but yeah i mean getting the first client was always awesome um and like first paid speaking engagements like oh uh, maybe i should have charged more for for that one too and then it's trying to figure out okay what do i want to do because uh, again my biggest challenge is, is uh like i would do this for free for fun right but again, I still have to balance the other stuff. So it's, it's making sure that uh, I am kind of put positioning the brand uh, appropriately in terms of value and stuff in order to uh, be, be out um, and saying that that I am um, equivalent, if not better than these other people out there, even though I might be a, a, a little bit less expensive, right? So those are some of the things that I had to consider along the way.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's it's just like the organic process, right? Of just it just comes up naturally and you go hmm how do i think about doing this mm-hmm. hmm, how do i think about doing this
1: yeah i mean you have a financial background so you're probably modeling and pricing all these different things you, you know how to do that for, for me it's just like uh, i did like technology i did like purchasing stuff i never had to really do it so i had to kind of get up to speed and yeah i picked up a couple things like okay i might try this so uh I, and i've been kind of piloting like different um different models um as well where i think it's it's hopefully gonna focus on like adding value versus just being like an, an hourly, hourly type rate. So yeah, um, continuing to evolve.
0: Right, and right now you've been running Focus Inspire for about three years. And do you feel that you're kind of hitting that mark where you're seeing the mark of, okay, I think I could be financially okay as well. Like, I don't have to be as stressed. As I was like in the first two years of just starting it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a, a bunch of opportunities that uh, I'm, I'm looking to, to close that will definitely do that uh, for me, and it's just a matter of are they going to be the right opportunities, right? Because sometimes uh, there's money for the sake of money versus like money for the uh, the ambitions that that, that I want. Um, so it, it it's a balance where um, I I I think I'm I'm there. Uh, I'm I'm getting to that point for sure, and. Uh, <laughs> and even in the near future I'm hoping it'll be a, a, little, a little more even than, than what I was making before because I do believe I'm adding a, a ton of value for folks and I, I think I'm probably uh, even undervaluing myself um, so I really need to get past that that my own mental hurdles uh, and really embracing that that abundance mindset type of thing um, in order to kind of fully fully realize all of the different uh, potentials but yeah I think in, in, in very short order I'm going to be kind of uh, matching uh, what I what I used to make as a as a management consultant type of thing, and uh, yeah, but it I mean it took a a, a bunch of work to, to get there. So. Right, w- work that you love. Though. Yeah, work thankfully. That love. Yeah, yeah. And my my wife says that I don't work any less, but uh, at least the work that I'm doing is all for me, right? Because uh, yeah, I work long hours in management consulting. I, I uh, work long hours now, but at least it's all all for me, right? So it's yeah, great.
0: and so if you were to look at Focus Inspired yeah. as a business that we so often analyze in consulting um, <laughs> How how is the kind of segmentization done in terms of like time or like the revenue like is it mostly one-on-one coaching in terms of like 50% one-on-one coaching uh, I know I also know that you teach at yeah. Centennial College as okay. well so is that what well percentage is that
1: it's uh, a mix and depends on the, the time of day or, or the way the winds blow type of thing but uh, I, I like to have it in a, in a couple buckets ideally equal but it's always depending on on Projects and contracts and stuff like that. So, there's the the one-on-one individual coaching, right? There's the kind of uh, workshops and talks that that I do, um, and sometimes they're the larger programs. Sometimes they're with schools. Sometimes they're with uh, businesses, um, and then there's kind of the, the content stuff that that's creating. Well, that that one is more um, like marketing and, and a bit of a of a loss leader right now, and the other two are really what what uh, makes uh, more of the money. Um, but it's uh, it's one where like it's an investment in the company because it's brand building, it's it's content producing, and then it helps with with, with the other two, right? So, uh, I ideally I'd want like a, a an equal split amongst the the three, um, but it kind of ebbs and flows based on well I had a, a new deal that closed and it's, we're gonna do it for the next four months, uh, or we're gonna do this for the next year or whatever it is, and and I'll sign you up as a client for there and then. Oftentimes, they're, they're, they're job-focused, so I, I usually do, like, hey, you got landed your job, and then we go into like a, a, a sustainment mode, where instead of meeting them on a weekly basis, I might meet them on a, on a monthly or a quarterly basis, right? So they're still a client, but what a, what a less involved client, right? So there's, uh, yeah, different different things, but ideally, I I'd, I'd try to keep the, the three. Um, the the content piece is, is a recent edition, where I didn't really do much of that. The only thing was the book but I wanna try to be more, and you probably see more active on like social media and like, creating YouTube videos, hopefully starting my own podcast at some point. And um, yeah, trying to just just get more myself more out there, right? And, and hopefully building a, a small team around that, that helps me. Uh, I think you're trying to do that too, to, to, to automate some of the, the administrative parts of it so that you can focus on kind of the, the content uh, and putting it out there, right? So that's ideally how I'd spend my time, but it's probably gonna shift and adjust because. Uh, yeah just depending on the way the wind blows right
0: right and you know given how what you're doing is so nuanced a lot of people people i'm sure your friends have all these assumptions about so this is what your life is probably like <laughs> and so what what is uh, the most common misconception that you te- you get when you catch up with your friends now
1: I guess it's, uh, well, so it's the, the entrepreneurial thing. So, well, you, you have ton of free time because uh, you make your own hours and whatever. So you, you got availability to, to, to do that for sure. Um, it's the, well, it's so much easier because you're, you're just working for yourself, right? Um, versus, well, no, you got to hustle and grind in order to, to build that, that foundation for yourself. Um, but I think they're starting to understand because, again, I'm, I'm interacting with them and I try to help them as, as much as I can and, and, and share. Um, but I try to uh, separate that a little bit in the terms of like, well, I don't, I don't want to be the coaching person there unless they're asking for it. I don't want to force it upon them. Um, but at the same time, like, I see well, they have tons of potential, right? And they're, they're my buddies, so I, so I want them to be successful. So it's always, it's, it's always balancing that where like when, when we're having dinner, when we're going out, whatever, that I'm not, I don't go into coaching mode and trying to help people, right? Versus no, let's just, let's just hang out, right? Uh, so it's a bit of, of balancing on that so uh, i think most of them know what what i do especially now that i'm starting to get more on social media they see all this stuff as oh, okay he's, okay he's doing another event he's doing another uh youtube is doing another whatever um but uh yeah i think they're, they're just trying to wrap their heads around it but most of them are are dealing with their own stuff so they they don't worry about me too much so. do you ever go into coaching mo- mode on your wife I try not to, uh, it, it's one of those things, well, yeah, you do what you wanna do, but uh, let me live my life type of thing, it's like, yeah. Um, there, there's, and for whatever reason comes to mind, the aspect of, uh, in, in coaching, there, there's one, either being a, a tugboat, right, so with your friend, just uh, like through brute force, like pulling along, versus being a, a lighthouse, right? Both of them accomplish the same thing, where they get the, the ship safely into harbor, but one just shines brightly and does an awesome job, and lets people kind of come to him versus you pulling them that. So I aim to do, uh, be the lighthouse and just say, this is all the stuff that I'm doing um, because I have like taking my health more seriously. I have my uh, exercise and, and like more smoothies and, and stuff like that, like better food choices. Uh, and, and I try to do that and she can do whatever she wants, right? I don't force that upon her. I don't, I don't necessitate that uh, for her, but, um, but I think she's trying to incorporate some of that, whatever she deems is, is appropriate for her.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a struggle that I constantly have in my relationship, um, and it's something like yeah, like it's, it's a continued work in progress, um, constantly trying to find the harmony between
1: what I do and what my girlfriend does. Yeah, and it's one where again be be that lighthouse and say okay, this is the benefits it's provided for me, and if you want those benefits, then let let's talk about it. If you don't, cool. It's really it's really your life to live, right? So yeah, no, totally,
0: and uh, so as we kind of wrap up to the end final rounds of the interview mm-hmm. um the kind of key questions i'd like to ask each guest is the first one is um w- what's a belief that you have that you think goes against conventional wisdom and i'm sure you have a lot but what's one that sticks out
1: yeah i'm i'm well i, I don't know how conventional it is because i know uh, times are changing and 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 uh, people have more options but it's uh, a little bit of that 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 conveyor belt of life type of thing, where you're expected to, to do a degree, uh, get a good job, a stable job, uh, get married, two kids, and and a, a house in the suburbs, that type of thing, right? Um, so part of it is is just uh, exploring those those options, where now again multiple career paths uh, are are a common thing. That the, the entrepreneurial slash freelance the whatever things are are options um, and. Um, also like the the value of school right there's a Mark Twain quote I think is like don't let uh, school get in the way of education um, because oftentimes uh, school is there and and, yeah it it serves its purpose for a certain set of people but oftentimes you would learn way more and faster doing uh, something else right so being open to to those challenges and again I think that's one of those big elephants in the room that a lot of people know Um, that but they're just not willing to acknowledge it yet because it's just the way that it's done like everyone has to get a degree and has to do this it's like well you spend four years and whatever learning marketing or or accounting or whatever but you've never done it do you actually know uh, you use the analogy of like like swimming right uh did you read the book on swimming right and did you learn everything in, in in a classroom or were you in the pool right uh most people can you can only learn so much while academically doing it and and um, versus, like, get in the water and just go back and forth, do a couple of links, and then that's when you get good. So, um, yeah, hopefully it, it's, uh, so, so, so I guess the conventional wisdom is, like, education slash the, the conveyor belt of, of, of life uh, and saying that there are way more options and possibilities out there than uh, people realize and recognize. Yeah, I think uh, the quote that comes
0: to mind is from Yogi Berra, where he says, in theory, practice and theory are the same. But in practice, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> and um, so if, you're, if 20-year-old Luki were to look at where you are now, so the Luki from third year U of T, I guess, um, still in computer science, mm. was to look at where, what you're doing and where you are at, what do you think his emotional reaction
1: would be? Well, actually, I actually told people this a couple times where... Uh like if I were to tell my whatever myself in the second, third, fourth year that I was now a career coach, I'd be, I'd very be very d- dismissive. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Wh- what are you smoking? Right, that's it's definitely not something I'd consider. And then, hopefully, I would have turned to. Um, I think I probably would have sensed a little bit of a fear, in the sense that holy crap, you're doing all this stuff. That means that I'm gonna have to like be more out, uh, do some talks and talk to people and all that sort of stuff. And then at some point, I, I hope I'd get into like some uh, excitement. In terms of hey, that's kind of cool. I mean, uh, future Luki seems to be pretty happy, so hopefully, <laughs> uh, that there was a good journey in order to, to, to get there. So um, yeah, it's, it's initially dismissive and then hopefully excited by by, by the end of the conversation. So
0: yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a funny one. Um, and you know, you wrote you wrote the book. You know, stuff I wish I knew earlier. Mm-hmm. But if you were to give advice to that twenty-year-old Luki, mm. um, and you couldn't just throw this book at him. <laughs> Is there a particular advice that you
1: wanted to heed? Well, so there's the advice I'd given whether he'd listen or not is probably the other part of it. But um, I I would start probably with that kind of that North Star thing. It's like, are you the one uh, steering the ship? Right? Because a lot of it is the assumption that, yeah, I'm I'm doing it because um, I like it's kind of expected me or whatever versus like, like, is this really what you wanted to do? Because how would it have been different? Because I was always interested in people and psychology and all that sort of stuff. But again, because that wasn't uh, as reputable as like, engineering and technology, at least in my circle of friends, uh, then it wasn't something that I, that I seriously considered. right? Um, but but I, I did enjoy those, those types of cor- courses and that type of learning. So maybe uh, like having that bit of self-reflection re- uh, and introspection to say, hey, are you do- doing this because of you? Or are you doing this because of some other factor? And hopefully by planting that seed at some point i would have figured it out earlier than whatever like three years ago four years ago
0: (laughs) Uh, excellent great no thanks for so much for uh giving me your time i know it's you know, great. expensive and probably rising in price <laughs> i really appreciate uh, you coming on and sharing your story i really enjoyed our conversation today
1: no i think this is great and, and i appreciate that and uh, hopefully it's helpful to you and yeah i look forward to getting to know you more and then kind of watching you in your own journey and seeing how, how how you evolve
0: yeah no definitely um and so for some of our listeners you know who want to get in touch with you um or want to learn a little more about focus inspired how mm-hmm.
1: can they reach you or reach the company yeah so uh, most social media I'm uh, Lukey Danu I don't make people spell the whole name <laughs> um, LinkedIn is probably where I'm most active uh, the website is focusinspired.com um, yeah I'm looking to do more stuff on like like Instagram YouTube uh, eventually creating podcasts but the book's available on, on Amazon Indigo that sort of thing if folks are interested in hopefully writing the uh, young professionals edition uh, soon and uh, looking for collaborators on, on that but uh, yeah um, I'm, I'm pretty accessible over over LinkedIn. Uh, I usually accept all requests though. I do send you a message to say like hey How could I be of help? Because uh, I'd like to try to keep my connections uh, known and uh, I've, I've given myself a, a deadline by the end of the, the year that I'm going to start actually uh, removing and culling the people who haven't responded back so uh, yeah, so hopefully that uh, um, Is a little bit of motivation for folks to actually respond? <laughs> uh, because uh, I think uh, networking is is and and all that sort of stuff is is important building relationships but only if it's like a, a reciprocal like kind of two-way street right so I, I'd, I'd love it if people kind of interact and more than happy to uh, to to help how i can um, i have some availability constraints at at times but if i could be of help then um, feel free to to reach out great no
0: thank, thanks so much luki perfect thanks Daniel. Okay. have a good one So thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please check out other episodes and don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date for the future episodes. Also, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, whichever is applicable to you. To see past episodes, you can go to oldmandan.com slash podcasts. Also, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter on my blog, oldmandan.com slash newsletter. You can stay up to date with future podcast episodes that way, and included in the newsletter are my book reviews I write, my weekly article in the related to the domain of self-development systems, as well as seven things I learned throughout the week on being healthy, wealthy, and wise. Finally, special thanks to icons8.com for allowing me to use their music, Tiny People, on the podcast. Great. I will see you all next time. Take care.